Well, we're getting ready to start a new series. How many are ready for the new series? How many, been, how, many, how many have seen the promos for it, Doors? It's called Doors. And I gotta tell you that I believe the Holy Spirit's been showing me doors that this body is gonna go through in 2023. I believe the prophetic, but also believe it requires you and I to say we will go through the door. How many are ready to go through any door that the Lord opens for you, amen? Oh, this is so good. So I want you, we're gonna start this out, this series doors, and I want you to go to Revelation 3.8 because it's gonna be the overarching scripture for the entire series. And those of you at home, I want you to download the app, I want you to take real close notes because remember what you do first determine what becomes behind it. I'm gonna say this again. This is a big deal in the word of God. What happens first, what we do first, determines what comes behind it. What we do first determines what comes behind it. And so the Lord spoke to one of the churches of seven churches in the book of Revelation, and it was the church of Philadelphia. And uh, he said these words in Revelation 3.8. He said this. He said, I know all the things you do. I have opened a door for you that no one can close. There are some doors that God is gonna open for his people. Some doors. The question is, is are you and I willing to walk through the door that God opens? He says, why don't you read that scripture with me out loud? Come on, let's, 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 let's read that again. He's telling the church of Philadelphia. He says, I, say it out loud with me. I know all the things that you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. Not even Satan himself can close that door once God opens it. You say, well, pastor, what is, uh, what is this door, that first door that is so important that determines if the rest of the door is open for us? What is it? And I'm gonna keep referring to this church in the book of Revelation, the church of Philadelphia, because it's very important. But I believe the door God is gonna ask you and me to walk through is the door of devotion. I'm not talking about devotions where you pull a scripture out of a promise box. I'm talking about our hearts getting so sold out to Jesus Christ that nothing can stop our loyalty, not even death or demons itself can stop your loyalty or your devotion to Christ. Because I believe that door that you walk through determines what else God brings to your life when you walked through that door of devotion. And the first door that you gotta walk through is undying to vote devotion to Jesus Christ in these last days. Now I know all of us will say, yeah, I'm going to. But the Holy Spirit's really gonna talk to us today about walking through the door of devotion. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to walk through the door. Come on, tell him that. Say, look at your neighbor and say, it's time to walk through the door. 
Now, let me back this up just for a moment as we talk about this door of devotion. And each week, we're going to use as an acronym the word doors. And this first D of doors is devotion. When Jesus gave this, Jesus in Revelation chapter, in, Re, in, in Revelation uh, 2 and 3, where he's talking to these seven churches, Jesus was speaking to seven churches in the book of Revelation. He was talking to churches that existed. These were not spiritual imagery. They were churches that existed. And before I get into that, I know some of you may study that, and some people say have different interpretations of those seven churches, and some people see that as res resembling the history of the church age, which is not only things that have passed, but things that are prophetic of the church, where uh, the book of Ephesus would have been considered that apostolic beginning when the church was born in the New Testament, first come to pass, that that was it, and then the next in sequence you know, would be Smyrna, and Smyrna was probably around... Um, the second or third century when persecution started really hitting the church. And so they saw these as particular epics of the church and that they're in sequence. And then as we get ready to the return of Jesus Christ, how many know he's coming back? I hope it's 2023. It can be January 1, 2023 for me. I'm ready. If you're not, we're gonna work on that. Seriously, we're gonna work on that. You're gonna be ready. But they saw these as sequences of the church throughout history. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think the proper, the proper interpretation of it is that this is not church history age. I believe that these, all these churches existed at one time when Jesus spoke to them. They weren't in chronological order or sequence. All seven of those churches, when Jesus spoke to them, they all existed at the same time and they were not imaginary or spiritual churches, they were real existing churches. And he's talking to all of these that had claimed Jesus was Lord and that they were, if you will, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. All seven types of those churches, Laodicean church is not the last one before Jesus comes. All seven of those churches will exist before Jesus comes. Because Jesus was talking to all seven. All seven exist today. I will tell you, that all seven of those churches exist in our sweet churchy town of Grand Rapids. There are Ephesus churches, there are Smyrna churches, there are Thyatira churches, there are Laodicean churches. They all exist. The Laodicean church will be a lukewarm church. Well, I'm going to tell you, not all churches are going to be lukewarm when Jesus returns because I intend for Grand Rapids first to be white hot on fire serving Jesus and kicking the devil's brains in until Jesus comes back. So that it, it can't be just sequence, it's simultaneous. And Jesus is talking to all seven these churches. Now, just as much as there are all those kind of seven churches existing now in this town and in, across the nations and across this nation, it means that if those churches exist, then there are people who claim the name of Jesus Christ that are those very types of spirits. There are Laodicean Christians. There are Thyatira. They all claim Jesus is Master, Lord, and Savior. They all claim that. But Jesus had words for all similar churches, but he told one, I'm putting before you an open door. So, so you can just get an overview of it. Let me just give you the seven churches real quick and just in a nutshell, okay? So I talk fast and loud when I excite. I talk slow when I educate. So let me just slow it down and just kind of give you an overview. So Church of Ephesus, he told them, first of all, you love me, but you've lost your first love. They were once white hot on fire for Jesus 
There was so much paganism and demonology, they all got born again, saved. But he said, you have lost your first love. Then the next church was a church, Smyrna, and he had no correction for them, only counsel and encouragement, because this group of people were going under such persecution and testing that was coming from Satan himself. And so much so, now you think, you think this nation is messed up? Let me tell you, they had to declare that Caesar was Lord. They were under political oppression that if you didn't declare Caesar was Lord, that was hostility against Rome and Caesar because Caesar was considered a god over Jesus Christ. So if you didn't line up with that, you were financially persecuted. Forget your job. They take your job. Religiously, they were being persecuted by the Jews because now the Jews hated Jesus Christ, did not declare him as Messiah, so these people are getting saved. So now this hostility is coming against them in levels they had never dreamed. Then the church of Pergamos, Jesus says, you say you're loyal to me and you love me. You say you're devoted to me. But he said, you have something you're tolerating. You're tolerating sin in your own life personally. It's not just a church that was doing it. There were people that had the spirit of Pergamos in it, that, that, that tolerance. And what they were teaching was the teaching of Balaam. And if you remember the teaching of Balaam, Balaam taught Balak how to get Israel to trip up and go into sin. And basically, it was sexually. It was sexual immorality. And so what the church of Pergamos was actually teaching is, is you can claim you're a follower of Jesus and still do all the sexual immorality you want and it was wheels off, grace, 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 do what you want. That's what it was. Then there was the church of Thyatira. These all claimed Jesus and they loved him. They had the spirit of Jezebel. It wasn't a particular woman. There was a particular woman in the, in the word of God named Jezebel. But it was the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel. And basically here it was again one of these believers. And here's what the teaching basically was. Let's put it in layman's terms for you. That it was normal for Christians to be immoral. Bottom line, do whatever you want to do. Go on your date, just don't have intercourse, you're in good with God, fornicate all you want, commit adultery, homosexuality, do it all you want. It's normal for Christians to be immoral. And it was leading so many believers astray, yet they all claimed Jesus was their Lord. Getting quiet. Then he talked to the church of Sardis. He says, the thing about it is you look alive. He said, you have a reputation among this whole town that you're alive, you're alive. But he says, you and I both know you're not alive, you're dead. In fact, the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. You've got, you're almost like the Ephesus church, you've gotten dead. But everybody thinks that you're white hot and you love God because you use the right nomenclature, you have the right symbols, but you're dead. And he said, you need to restore your relationship back with me because our relationship, our marriage is broken. Everybody sees us hugging and holding hands, but you and I know that when we get home, it's not that way. And then the Laodicean church, they just became indifferent. They were just lukewarm Christians. Uh, they probably got a five on the Google ratings review because everything was so good at the church. Every preacher longs for that. I hate it that we're a 4.9. <laughs> but they were a wealthy church. They had lots of money. And so some believers equate, as long as we've got money and the pills are, bills are paid, then God must be blessing us, so we must be okay. He said, you've got so much, but you're lukewarm in the relationship. And he says, you don't even know it, but you're wretched, you're poor, 
you're blind and you're naked as believers, yet you claim loyalty to me. You say you're devoted, but it's not there. How many have seen that this is not just a church age, this is what a believer can become? But he took that one church, that sixth church, the church of Philadelphia, and here's what he said. You guys aren't good. You're great. You're great. These folks, we'll talk about it a little bit more. They were under a lot of persecution, and he looks at this church, Philadelphia, and he says to this Philadelphia church, verse eight again in Revelation three, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength. I know you're wore down. I know that the economy isn't good for you. I know you say you don't have less than others, but it doesn't stop you. He says, yet you have obeyed my word and you don't deny me. You don't claim devotion. You just don't tuck a Bible under your arm. You just don't attend church. You folks in the quiet, private place love me so much and are so devoted to me. You don't care about impressing people. All you're concerned about is our relationship and all you want to do is follow and obey me. And he says, because of that, because of your devotion, he says, I am going to open up a door that no man can close, not even Satan himself, and you're going to walk through the doors of my blessing. He said, and no one can close it. And what I shut, no one can open up. I'm opening a door for you. How many believe God is going to open a door for Grand Rapids first and for you in 2023 like we have never seen before? So when you look at all those churches, he said, I'm telling you, there's a group out there that you're getting more hungry for me and more tender. You're not getting bitter. You're not letting the world get you bitter. You're getting more tender. You're getting more compassionate. You're getting more loving. You're getting more generous because you obey me. He says, those doors I'm going to open up for you. How many are you ready for God to open those doors for you today? Amen? Oh, my. But it wasn't just an open door. So what were some of these doors that he was telling them they could go through? So we're going to talk about this church Philadelphia. So first of all, what he wants to tell them is, look, I know sometimes you feel powerless and you feel like you have no strength. You guys have been fighting hard. Jesus, when are you going to return? How many have ever said that? How many of you said it this week while your relatives were with you? Jesus, when are you coming back? Take me now. But he says, I'm opening doors for you. And I believe there's some doors that some of you are going to walk through because just your heart to want to follow Jesus, not to impress your pastor or somehow I want to do this so my kids will follow God because if I don't, then my kids won't follow God. You're doing it simply because you are in love with your Jesus because you've seen what he's done for you and what he's getting ready to prepare for you. He says, I'm going to open up for you. Ready for this? The door to ultimate authority. Come on, somebody say, ultimate authority. Now, let me tell you why he was telling this church. Because there was conflict in the early church with the synagogues, especially among the Jewish people that had turned to Jesus Christ. Like Thyatira was really under this pressure. But the religious crowd, because the religious crowd controlled everything. They controlled economies. They controlled everything. They just, who you, who you knew. And, I mean, they could just, they were destroying just going after these Christians. So what happened here at Philadelphia, just like Thyatira, these people were, some of them were former members of the synagogue. And when they acknowledged that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, 
when they declared Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Jewish sect got mad because they hated Jesus. And now these people said, we are following Jesus no matter what. And I'm going to tell you, it cost them. Because not only were they ostracized from the synagogue, because connected with the synagogue was family, connected with synagogue was commerce. It was a lot of stuff connected to it. You'd lose your job for following Jesus Christ. And even if you're mom and dad and you follow Jesus Christ, your parents considered you dead and you no longer existed. These people were hated and because they hated Christ. They were bitter toward these Christians and they did everything in their power to dishearten them. And fellow Jews in pagan cultures, they just had it out for them. The pagan culture had it out for them because they were following Jesus Christ. And the Jews that didn't believe in Jesus Christ as Messiah, Redeemer, had it out for him. And he says, you guys have gone through this. You are going through the toughest times. And they were thinking, we have no strength. I mean, come on. I, I, it doesn't even matter if I vote because I'm still being beat down. And here's what Jesus says to those Philadelphians who are committed to Jesus Christ. Revelation 3, verse 7. Come on, look at this. Look what Jesus, this is Jesus talking. Everybody say Jesus talking. Look what he says. This is a message from the one who is holy and true. Jesus saying, I am God and I'm saying this to you. The one who has the key of David. What he opens, he says, no one can close. And what he closes, no one can open. And he says to them, I am telling you that you are walking through the door of ultimate authority when you feel like you have no power, strength, or even financial ability. He says, I'm opening doors, and Lucifer himself cannot shut it or open it. Wow. He's saying that to believers who feel persecuted. And you say, well, what's this key of David? What's this key of David? Because it didn't mean nothing to you, but to them, they knew what key of David meant. So if you want to understand Key of David, you got to go back to Isaiah 22. So come on, we're going to study the word for a moment. you got to go back to Isaiah 22 because that's where the Key of David is mentioned. The Key of David was Hezekiah. It was very powerful. Hezekiah had a head administrator by the name of Shibna. And Shibna was the one who held the Key of David. And Shibna became dishonest. He was... He was self-absorbed and he became dishonest and caught in fraud that the key of David was taken from Shibna and given to a man by the name of Eliakim. And judgment was put on Shibna as this head administrator over the kingdom of Hezekiah. So much so that Jewish historian says that he contracted uh, leprosy. And he built this, hewn out this huge sepulcher so he could die like a king so everybody would remember him. But he ended up dying in a foreign country because he was ostracized because of the judgment of God on him because of leprosy. And the key of David was taken from him and given to Eliakim. Now let me tell you about the holder of the key of David, what it was. It was powerful in the government authority. It was very powerful right under the king. The person who held the key of David had access to every dime of the wealth of the kingdom. Could you imagine having access to every single person that paid taxes in the United States and you can do with that money what you want? That's what he had. He had so much power that he was the one that could determine 
who gets to go before the king and who doesn't get to be with the king. This guy that held the key of David, not the, held the key of David, he was the one that had the power to include you in the kingdom or to kick you out of the country. He had that authority. He just said the word. He gave the money. He had the power. He had the position. He had the authority. And it took away from Shebna and gave it to a man by the name of Eliakim. And here's what Jesus said. And those people knew it. We don't get it here, but they understood it. Now we're going to understand it. He says, I'm the one that has ultimate authority and power. Jesus saying to these struggling Christians, I'm the one who holds the key to all authority, to all power, to all dominion, to every resource of the world, and I have exclusive power to include people in the kingdom or to exclude them out of the kingdom. These people that are out there threatening and torturing you, they can destroy your body, but I'm the one that has the power to destroy not just the body, but I determine the destiny of your soul. I'm the one in charge, and they don't have any power at all. I hold it exclusively. So don't you worry about the synagogue. You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to an eternal kingdom that no one can ever take away from you. I open the door and I close that door. Now, let me put it to where you are. Don't forget in your loyalty and your devotion to Jesus Christ. Some of you are going through hell. Some are going through, through prognosis. Some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you have lost your jobs simply because you were a follower of Jesus Christ and wouldn't do something that was immoral and wrong according to the Word of God, and you lost your job. These people knew it every single day just because they followed Jesus. They had it out for them. Some of you are going through persecution right now through family members that since you got saved, they've taken you out of the will. There are some of you that someone even talked to you. You've lost jobs. You're being under this persecution. Some of you are feeling affliction in your body. Some of you, Satan has tried to assign himself to take you and take your faith. But here's what Jesus says. Don't you fear Satan. Don't you fear Lucifer. Don't you fear money. Don't you fear government. Don't you fear anybody's position. I'm telling you, when you have devotion and loyalty to me, I have keys, access to everything. And he says that upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you understand who you are in Jesus Christ? when you have devotion to him? That's the reason why he said in Matthew 16, 19, he says these words, I give you the keys to the kingdom. You're the new Eliakims. Are you listening to me? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Jesus is trying to tell you something. Some of you are about ready to give up your faith, but he's saying just like to the church of Philadelphia, don't you give up. Don't you forget who has ultimate authority. Don't you know there's an eternal kingdom and all of this goes away? Because I not only have the keys, I own the keys. And not only do I am, I am I the door, I own the door. I open it, I close it, and those who have devotion to me, no demon in hell, no sickness on this earth, no problem on this planet can ever hold the child of God. You have ultimate authority in your devotion to Jesus Christ. Woo, that makes some Baptists get happy this morning. Come on, where are my Baptocostals? Get a little happy in the house of God on this first Sunday of the year. You have ultimate authority and go through that door through your devotion in Jesus Christ. Oh, y'all caught me on a good day, a good day. We're gonna walk in our devotion through the door of ultimate authority because of our position with Jesus Christ. Quit focusing on what you have in this temporal world. He says, I hold it all. 
I hold it all. Now, he says, because of that devotion, not only do you go through the door of ultimate authority, but he says, you go through the door of unlimited opportunity. <laughs> Come on, say unlimited opportunity. He said, I open it, and no one can close it. I close it, and no demon in hell can open it. Look what he's saying. He says, I give you unlimited opportunity. Look at verse 8 again. Let's look at it again. In fact, come on, let's read it out loud. Look on the screens. Let's read it out loud together. Though you at home, come on, read it out loud with us. Ready? I have opened a door for you. Okay, now this has two meanings. Two meanings. First door they can't, open, they can't close or open is the door of salvation. He says, first of all, I'm the door of salvation. That's why he said in John 10, 7, he said, Jesus said to them again, truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I'm the door. I'm it. You've got to come through me. We're going to talk more about that. And I want you to know this morning that if you don't know Jesus Christ or you have become a compromising believer, he's saying, come on today. Walk through the door in total devotion to me. I know you don't feel like you can make it all together. I know you feel like you're not perfect, but just keep walking and stay devoted and don't ever back up. How many of you know today anybody can give their life to Jesus Christ? All they have to do is walk through the door. Jesus, the only door. And we're going to deal with that one Sunday. Next, he says, I just don't open. It's two meanings. I don't open up the door. I just don't open up the, the door of salvation. I open the door of service. <laughs> service is being lost here in this nation. Have you noticed it? Have you noticed that especially after COVID? I don't know about y'all, but I'm telling you, I'm finding people more testy. I'm, I'm almost ready in some places where they serve to tell me, go get it yourself. I think some of them have. One of the hallmarks of the body of Christ is you have a heart to serve. I'm concerned about people in the body who have stopped serving. We'll deal with that one one time in more in depth. You know, I thank God for our online ministry because I know there are people that are sick in body and things that have people on vacation still and y'all get to join us in that great. Say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Grand Rapids First. Amen. We have a lot of great people that make this happen. Did you see what happened on Christmas, on, on, on Christmas Eve? We spent time and money and billboards and blizzard, and we weren't going to take the chance with somebody getting hurt. And I watched our team just in a matter of hours, less than 36 hours, turn this around and bring something so you and your family could enjoy Christmas Eve. And I'm telling you, we ought to give them a hand. That was phenomenal what they put out. Absolutely phenomenal. But I'm watching something with people getting this online mentality where you're losing your heart to serve. Do not lose your heart to serve in the body of Christ. Because it is a direct attribute of Jesus. He came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. You're ready to lay down your life, not just for Christians, but for people who will never give you anything back and may even cuss you out when you bless them. So this church in Philadelphia actually became known, watch this, as a missionary city among Christians. They knew that missionaries were coming out of there. See, because Jesus knows people devoted to him 
will not get narcissistic and say, well, what about my bills? Well, didn't I pay my taxes? Let somebody do that. That mentality's out the door when you follow Jesus. I mean, it just starts going away. It peels off. You start giving your life to serve and your life a ransom for many. It, it, it's just going to happen to you. When you follow Jesus, that nature starts getting in you. You can't put it on. It just starts getting in you. And the church of Philadelphia, he says, I'm opening a door. You guys aren't good. You're great. And they became ascending center is what they became. They actually became ascending center. And he says, and I know you guys don't have much money. He says, I know y'all are poor because they've been trying to rip you off. But you don't let that stop you from being the most generous people in Philadelphia. You are sending people to other places to the gospel because you know that I'm the only way to salvation and eternal life. He says, you're not only doing it, but you're preparing people. You're sending them. I know sometimes people ask us, why did you guys put this Bible college here? We wanted to make the most cost-effective place to train young men in ministry to go around the world and this nation and be debt-free so they are not encumbered with debt so they can minister freely. And that's why this church has taken the cost to make sure that this school is here and sending those students out right over there. See that group of young men and women over there? These are the champions of God that are following the call of God because of you. We're watching over a hundred of them in there just serving Jesus Christ. You're obeying, you're sending I don't care. We are not Grand Rapids' first savings and loan. I do not want to stand before God and say, don't you see, God, we amass these men and look at the assets we have. He could care less. We are a preparing, sending group of people, sending and spending our money, praying and sending and spending, saying, God, let us go through the open door. And if you want God to give you an open door, maybe you should start serving. Maybe the reason the open door of a boyfriend didn't happen is because you can't serve. Read the Bible. Maybe you don't have a girlfriend because you don't know how to serve. You don't have a heart of a giver. Maybe you're asking God to open finances. Maybe you're not serving anymore. He says, I'm going to open a door for you of opportunities that you cannot imagine. And I don't care how little resources you have. I don't care who's after you and trying to stop you. I see what they're doing to you, but I'm opening a door that none of them can open and none of them can close it once I open it. Come on, how many thank God he's opened us to unlimited opportunities. Woo, how many grab anything out of this? I'm walking through the door of unlimited opportunity in 2023. City, sir, people say, why are you helping? I don't know how many churches we got now on board. We have 65 churches that are now on board that we are empowering to reach their cities with gift and kind goods because this church brought city serve to these churches. Our goal is to hit another 75 by the end of this year. I long for the day it's 300 and 400 and 500 and 1,000 churches, and it goes beyond the state because this church is sending and sending and empowering others. Well, what about our church? Come on. We are not the church. We are a part of the body of Christ, and it's time to empower the body of Christ around us that's trying to win people to Jesus Christ. That's the mentality they got because that's what Jesus does to you. Oh, Jesus, help us. Come on, everybody. Let's go through the door of unlimited opportunity in 2023. Walk through it. Well, I don't have it. Just walk through it when he opens it. Watch him open doors you've never imagined. Well, I'm retired. Watch the doors he'll open up for you. Watch it. Serve. 
serve. Oh, we'll talk about that one other day. Not this Sunday or next Sunday, but you'll go. Now, here's what he tells them. He says, not only because of your devotion am I opening the door to ultimate authority and the door of unlimited opportunity, but I'm opening the door to undaunted stability. You're going to have more courage in the face of fear, in the face of the pressure of sin and the world. You are going to get bolder, not meaner. See, some Christians take bold as mean. And you know what I'm talking about because I've seen your Facebook posts. Didn't mean mean. It's all right to express who you are, but not mean. He said, I'm going to give you courage to declare things. I'm going to give you courage and stability, courageous stability, undaunted stability when everybody thinks you ought to crumble and cave to them. Now, <clears throat> the city of Philadelphia was not known for stability. Literally not known for stability. Literally. Here's what happened to Philadelphia. In 17 AD, there was a terrible earthquake that literally devastated the entire city of Philadelphia. And there were so many aftershocks and earthquakes since that that people preferred to live outside instead of inside in Philadelphia. This was not just a physical, literal thing happening. That was a spiritual fear that was on them. And he says, I'm going to give you courageous, undaunted stability in adversity. He says, when there's adversity coming, he says, you are going to stay strong and they're going to win because Satan's going to put the pressure on. People are going to put the pressure on. Culture's going to put the pressure on. But you stay devoted to Jesus Christ. Look what he said, verse 10, Revelation 3.10. Look, he said, because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to the world. Watch this. I am coming soon. Church, listen to me. The time of spiritual earthquakes is coming harder, faster, because Jesus is coming soon. And that great time of testing, many of you know, is that coming tribulation. He talks about in Revelation 6 and 19. There's a tribulation that is coming to the world. And it's not just local. I know there are some places in the world that feel like they're in tribulation, but it's not local. It's going to be worldwide. And he says, I'm going to protect the church. I'm going to protect my devoted bride. Read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 5. I'm protecting those devoted to me. You may feel some of the shock of it. You may feel the prelude of it, but I'm protecting my people who just stay devoted to me, and you'll have undaunted stability even while you're feeling the pressure. Watch this. But he says, this is coming on them. And he says, I'll not only protect you, Later, I'll protect you right now. I'm going to protect you now, but I'll protect you now. How many know if he protected you once, he'll do it again? So he said, I'm going to protect you. Stability and adversity. And then he says, you'll have undaunted courage and you'll be stable in your destiny. Now watch this. How many know this world is not our home? How many know this is not where it ends? Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse 11. He said, I'm coming soon. Watch this. Now here's what I need everybody to listen to closely. Hold on to what you have 
so that no one will take your what, everybody? Your crown. I have a crown. I just, my crown happens to be, uh, he's anointed me to be a pastor. And he anointed you to be a contractor to bring people to Christ. Both of us should be doing the same mission. Whether you're a surgeon or whether you're a student or whether you're working through the drive-thru. He said, don't let anyone, Sam, take your crown or your gift. And he tells these, he tells these people in Philadelphia, he says, don't allow the earthquake to take your crown. Watch this. He says, don't allow the earthquake that Satan is going to send. Church, get ready. He is going to send you earthquakes like you can't imagine. Satan will. He's going to send earthquakes of seduction to some of you ladies and some of you men. He's going to send earthquakes of suffering. And it's going to try to do it to take your faith. He's going to take the earthquake of slothfulness where some of you have just stopped doing everything in the kingdom of God. You just stopped. He says, please, don't allow Satan and don't lose your crown or give up your place. Now, why is he saying this, don't give up your crown or your place? Five of the seven churches that he's talking to, they all exist simultaneously. So five of the he's talking about the, the type of believer, spirit of the church. He's not talking to the ungodly world. He's talking to you and me. Five of the seven churches were losing it. Ephesus, man, did they have a revival. The god of, of uh, uh, the, God, God, the goddess of Artemis was a fertility god, so it was okay to be wheels off sexually immoral. You could bring any type of sexuality. You do what you want. It was wheels off. They were worshiping the goddess Dionysus, which is the god of wine. So the more they drank, the more they lost their judgment. A lot of people did that last night. Even some Christians did that last night. You lose your judgment. And they got wheels off. Well, these people had got so much into that that now they're into astrology, they're into paganism, they're into incantations, they're into these witch, I mean, all this stuff. So much so that when the revival hit Ephesus, in one day, in our value day, they burnt $7 million worth of occultic paraphernalia in one day. Man, I wish to God we'd have us one more big bonfire one more time and burn up those things that are destroying our lives. Seriously. But they got revival. But he says, now you've walked away from that. You were white hot on fire, and now you've walked away from that. You're losing it. Thyatira, he says, you're letting the, the tolerance of sin inside of your life. The practice of Balaam. Thyatira, the spirit of Jezebel. And here's what it was. It's normal for Christians to be immoral. Everybody does that. Don't you think that's just a little too much, Pastor? So it was okay to be sexually immoral. Sexual immorality was a big thing. It is still today. The church of Sardis, represented to be alive but you're dead. Church of Laodicea. Indifferent, lukewarm. Smyrna and Philadelphia says, you guys have not succumbed to that stuff that those who said they walked through the door of devotion are walking into. So here's what happens. All of them feel they're devoted to Jesus, but Jesus has to have come a conversation with them. He says, all of you want to walk through the door of devotion and you've opened the door to me 
and you've closed the door to Satan, and you say, we're devoted to Jesus, but there's something that you built into your door. You let this little pet door. Jesus, your Lord, but I'll let this compromise, so I just let it in. Some of us have built pet doors into our door we declare we're devoted to Jesus Christ. That's what happened to the five or seven churches. And, 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 and you know what? It was normal. It was just normal. Come on. Come on. It's the culture. Get with the times, pastor. Come on. But we built a pet door. And the reason why, reason why pet doors are so good is because pets are cute. They're adorable. They're pretty. Sweet. Pets are cute. How many have a nice pet in your home? Huh? How many got one? We've got one. We got a little sweet dog. Moses. Come here, Moses. Moses, come. 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 Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come here. Come on. Don't go to them. Come here. Come here, look who's got the treats. Come here. He's going to grandma. Moses, sit. Come on, sit. 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 Good boy. Oh, thank you. You want a treat? You want a treat? Come on, here you go. No, don't listen to her. Moses, come back here. Moses, come. Come, 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 no, come, sit, come here, sit, 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 no, sit. Oh, don't go awe. If you had a filet mignon, he'd be in your lap right now. Come here, Moses. Moses, come. Come here, Moses. Come here, buddy. Come on, up, up. Come on. Come here, sit. Lay down, lay down. Down, lay down, good boy. Look at this, see, he doesn't care about me, it's this. Please, I'm just, Moses, don't pee on anything, please. I, I, I'm, I, this could be a great illustration or the worst illustration in the world, everybody. Of course, if you do, we'll probably make $100,000 on America's Funniest Videos, I promise we will. Come here, Mose. Come here, Mose. Mose, come. Come. Come on up here. Come. Sit. Come here. Stay. But pastor, it's so cute. You built pet doors, but it's so cute. He's cute. But can I tell you the stuff he drags in the house when he comes through the pet door? Well, that's not going to affect me. That's what some Christians believe. I know when to stop. I know, I know my stopping point. When we got this dog, he was 14 pounds. They told me he'll be 70 pounds. And 30 pounds of that is fur. They said he'd be 70 pounds. Come here, Mose. Mose, come. 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 But he'll take off anywhere. All right, get him out of here. 
Come here. Go to, come here. Come on. Come, Moses. No, leave the treats alone. Come here. Come on. Come. Come. Here are the treats. See? Come on. See? Treats. Follow this man right here. Go with Uncle Dan. Go with Uncle Dan. So they told me 70 pounds. We didn't believe him. No. He got to 60. He got to 60 pounds. That's as big as he'll get. Somehow, we thought the outcome would be different for us. But sin, when it is full-blown, makes its way to death. Somehow, you think that your pornography, you got a control on. Somehow, you think your drinking and your weed, you got a control on. Somehow you think the stuff in the arena of your mind you got a control on. Somehow I know I can stop this with this lady at the office. I know, Pastor, we only know how to go so far in our date. See, Christianity gets to the place where we have pets because we think we can control our anger, our lying, our cheating, our dishonesty, our lack of service. But he's so cute. We say we love Jesus, but we always want to build in one of these. And that's what the believers of those days, he's saying, you have no idea, you don't think it's going to get 70 pounds, but you are not an exception to the rule. It is going to destroy you, and he knows it. And so what happened to all these believers was is they had so normalized sin that it was normal to be sinful. And now what has happened in the culture within the church in America is that there is so much pressure on your job when you sit at the university that now they want to normalize that it's okay that you can function in this sin and still make it with Jesus. And he said in Revelation 22, verse 15, he said, outside are the dogs. These are the people that teach false teaching. Those who practice sorcery. Those that are in sexual morality. He says they're not making it in. He said that. He told them in Philippians, beware of the dogs. He said, you think that yours is only going to get 15 pounds something I can cradle in my arms. I'm telling you that beast takes up so much real estate in our bed at night, sometimes I can't sleep right. <laughs> at our feet, of course. Her feet. We think we're an exception somehow. He says, I'm telling you, this is why I'm talking to those churches. Beware. And I love something that Psalm 74, 19 says. Look at this scripture. Look at this. Don't hand over the life of your dove to wild beast. And what's happening in Christianity is we are normalizing things. You may be dealing with homosexuality here and this pastor loves you just as much as I love someone that's going to be my next door neighbor in heaven. But I also love you enough to tell you that Jesus wants to set you totally free to walk a life with him eternally. 
and to know what freedom and healthy sexuality really can be like. Healthy, good sex. I said that from the pulpit. Good sex. Great sex. He designed it. He designed it for me and my wife. He can help with the dysfunction. But now it's time to, we normalize it. We've normalized the things of this culture, and that's what they did. And I don't, listen, I love you, but I'm telling you, I don't care who the pastor is. I don't care who the Christian musician is. I don't care who the doctor is. I don't care what teacher it is in a theological seminary. I don't care what pastor. I don't care what Christian says it. I'm telling you, Jesus says, don't normalize what I said will keep you out of my presence. Don't normalize it. I'm not looking for an applause. I'm really not. Because I'm telling you, souls, do, do, do not think that somehow yours won't be that 70-pound hound. He knows the outcome. And don't be shocked when you see stuff happen to believers, even in this church. What? Don't be shocked when you see it happen to pastors. Don't be shocked when you're a prominent preacher. Don't be shocked it's going to happen even more. You know why? Because Jesus loves them so much. But he says, let me tell you, earthquakes are coming and moral earthquakes happen because of secret faults. But he says, come on, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, you guys keep coming to me. You guys keep telling me. You guys keep walking with me. And he says, here's what I'm going to give you. Come on, revelation. I love this. Look what he says. You're not only have a stability in your, uh, in your destiny, but you have a stability in your identity. And look what he says. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never, never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God. He said he's going to write it on Sam Ryder, the name of his God. And they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. The pressure's heavy on you and me. Pressure's heavy on you and me. I've had folks exit. take their money with them. But Jesus, they stay devoted and loyal. Be more loyal to Jesus than you are your spouse. And I promise you, he will help you with your issues with your spouse. Be more loyal to Jesus than your job and watch him open opportunities for your job that you can never get by your own manipulation in that company. He said, because I'm putting my name on you one day. And let me tell you why he said that. Because they were used to these big pillars, to these pagan gods they were worshiping and being influenced in the culture. And the Christians felt pressure to normalize and accept it so they wouldn't be pushed out. You might get pushed out. But this is what's going to happen in the doors as we enter into the days before the return of Jesus. And it's going to ramp up. Will you have your devotion to Jesus Christ? On those pagan, on those pillar, those pagan pillars, they would write the names 
of the pagan priests and they would engrave them on them because of their identity. And he says, but those pillars they trust in, <laughs> those pillars are hardly there anymore. They've all crumbled with the earthquakes, deteriorated. He says, that's exactly what happens. But he said, for those of you that are devoted to me, Philadelphia, let the earthquakes come. <clears throat> you won't collapse, but you will be pillars in my temple. You'll be built and you will never be removed because it's not the name of this world or being accepted. It is the name of the one who died for you, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. How many thank God there's a new name written down in glory and it's yours and it's mine. So the question today is, When you walk through the door of devotion, and when you walk through it, would you let him deal with this one that maybe you've built in? Because that message was not for the unbelievers out there. It was for you, your pastor, for you, and for me, your pastor. It's for us. How many believe we start off the first day of 2023 saying, Father, I commit myself to let you speak into me, Holy Spirit, and deal with me with every issue. And even if pastor offended me because it, it, it got me like this, that you would just lay it down and go beyond the personality of pastor for a moment and truly let the Holy Spirit talk to you because he said, there's something I'm wanting to open to you. It's not that I'm trying to take something from you. It's that I'm getting ready to take you to something you've never had before. Would you lay it down? Would you let him talk to you? Not your mom, not your dad, not your roommate, not your spouse. Let him talk to you. Say, Father, I want to put this down. I want to walk through the door that no demon in hell can close. And you're the only one that can open it. How many ready to walk through those doors? Come on, can we stand together and just worship him for a moment? And just exalt him for a moment. Can we do it?